Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bail bam, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tau I'll make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy Never think about the drop, never ever ever think about the drop Welcome to it sports fans, it is the MKT show And yesterday made me out to be a liar because I said I've got the easiest job in the world and being sick is not a reason to take off considering how easy my job is really. I mean, it's not that easy. You, you do actually need to have an element of talent, but nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. It is essentially talking, which babies figure out. I don't know. I don't have any kids. When do babies start talking? I don't know. Two years old? Maybe maybe earlier. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't have any babies. I don't have any babies. But babies can talk. So people always say, oh, that's really easy. You just talk for a living. Point is, yesterday I was I was dying. And I mean we're all dying. But yesterday I thought I was actually gonna die. So I was on a phone call earlier with a friend. And I told him that this is the most sick I've ever felt in my life because I compared it to a time when I when I actually also thought I was dying. The only other time I thought I was dying in my life was when I was at Yacht Week, <clears throat> a country called Croatia. I'm not just saying that so that I can tell you that I've been to Croatia, which I have been to. Um, and that was fun. But I was at Yacht Week and it's a bit of a debaucherous week. And there, it was a very different reason to what I was feeling now. It was just an excess of all of the booze in the world and just not eating and just constantly partying. I've never, So I've never done drugs. So people always think, oh, you were probably doing that. Never touched them in my life. Um, I think it's because my mom, when I was young, took me to, um, to see some of her patients. So if you're new to the podcast, my old lady, my old duck, she's a psychiatrist. So she's been dealing with that. And my uncle died of drugs. I, I don't know if that affected my not ever doing drugs because I was on the booze big time. But anyway, I was telling a friend, I've never felt that sick before. Yesterday was the crescendo. It was insane. thought I was dying. <laughs> and... The only other time I thought I was dying was Yacht Week a couple of years ago. I say a couple. I'm old now. It was 2008, I think. 2007, 2008, somewhere there. Anyway, um, what I realized yesterday was how simple my life is because I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm dying. What about my mom or my sister? Wasn't thinking that. I was like, they're fine. Whatever. They'll get on with it. I, I was just thinking, oh man, I can't believe it. I'm going to die. And Chelsea lost to Real Madrid. That's my last memory in life. That's what I was thinking. No jokes. I, I was not worried about my family. I wasn't, I was thinking, oh my goodness, I can't believe Chelsea lost 3-1 to Real Madrid. And this is how I go out. And I'm not kidding. That, that, those were my thoughts. Like the most important thing in my life is Chelsea Football Club. It's unbelievable. But, but that's real. That's real. I don't. I also. I don't want to pretend to be Jesus Christ. You know, I'm not a religious man. I wasn't thinking about Jesus. I wasn't thinking about what's on the other side. I actually thought I was dying yesterday, and I thought I can't believe how badly Chelsea played. This is my last memory on earth. This is disgusting. So, you know, people with meaning in their lives are probably going, "Oh, can't believe it. This is why you need a girlfriend, or get married, or you need to have children so you can." Know what it's like to care about something beyond yourself. To those people, I say, go straight to hell. I actually like caring just about myself. I'm still going to stay in the selfish zone for a bit. Feels good. Tell you what, though. I, I did think for a second, oh, it's a bit of a tricky one because I would like to have a partner here to care for me. But also, what's it like as a partner 
when your partner's sick, I was thinking, oh, this would be terrible because I was actually useless. So now I don't know because my leaning is everyone's selfish, right? But then I thought, oh, wow, what would it be like caring for me if I was that ill? So I don't know if I would want somebody to care for me when I'm that ill, but I also don't know if everybody's as selfish as I am because if somebody was sick and I was like, oh no, now I need to care for this person, what about me? That terrifies me. So that's what was happening in my life yesterday. Don't know if people like it or not. I'm just letting you know what was happening. It was awful. But I'm, I'm fine now, I think. I'm better, a little nasally still, a little nasally. Um, but much better than yesterday. Migraines, couldn't get up. And that was since Sunday. So it's been, what, six days of basically sleeping 24 hours a day, feeling a little dehydrated, but I thought, do the podcast. Don't be a terrible person. Your life's not that hard, which it is not. So anyway, um, as I do Friday Fives, uh, I'll do the Friday Five today because everybody started to tell me Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola is the greatest rivalry in Premier League history. I mean, I think it's a Liverpool narrative. It's because Jamie Carragher's on TV as well. It's absolute nonsense. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Chelsea's um, demise or possible demise. Um, Thomas Tuchel. I'll tell you why. It, it is important to acknowledge a few things, right? And I think Chelsea have to acknowledge that about Thomas Tuchel. You have to accept people for who they are. And we'll talk a little bit about that. And then I'll chat a little bit about um, Liverpool Man City. Um, so if you are new to the podcast, go ahead and subscribe. We do have a YouTube channel, which will be up and running soon. I've been saying that for a long time. I went to America, in case people don't know. So that's delayed a few things. Um, but I will let you know. It's, it's a fluid situation. I'm trying to find a, a space that will accommodate the, sh the size of the show to where I want it to go. And that's tricky. Do I just go back to video and then the video is the same as it was before? Or do I wait a little bit and get the video to the level that I want it to? You know, that's what I want to do. I don't want to come back the same. Like if I come back and the video is the same, what a waste. What a waste. The, the, the next evolution, the show has to evolve, right? Is there'll be some new people on the show moving forward. Um, in fact, today is Ryan's last day with us as well. So no more James, no more Ryan, no more Senzel as well. You won't, you won't see Senzel on the show as well. So it's just me now. Paolo has gone away. Paolo might come back. Paolo might not come back. Paolo has just had some terrific professional news, um, on his side, which I hope we can announce as soon as he gets back. Um, but yeah, so it's just me. It's just little old me. Uh, so we will, I'll be employing more people. Uh, the show has to evolve. Ryan's taking up an opportunity elsewhere. Uh, James, a lot of people have been uh, wondering, where's James? Do I hate him now? I do not hate James. He has um, decided to pursue an opportunity elsewhere and he, he feels um, he wants to take that up. That's awesome. I want my guys to win. Uh, and James, great guy. Ryan, great guy. Senzo, great guy. They're all taking up opportunities elsewhere and the MKT show will march on. Ultimately, I'm MKT. So as long as I'm here, the show is going to go on, you know. So very cool to see all these young guys um, maximizing their opportunities and, and taking it in a different direction. So the show will evolve. You'll see new people. You'll hear from new people on the show over the next month or so. And we'll, we'll, we'll keep on keeping on, as they say. All right, let's get to it. The Friday Five. Um, the five greatest rivalries, I believe, in modern day sport. Because everyone's saying Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. Uh, it, it's so disgustingly disrespectful to to Jurgen uh, to um, Pep Guardiola to suggest that Jurgen's in his league. I mean, eh, you know, it's revolting. And what's hilarious to me now is Manchester United fans that always said, "Oh, Pep is a money or a checkbook manager." United are now on their fourth manager with the most money spent. And oh boy. It's going to be 10 years since you've won the league. Uh, that's coming up next year. Man United are not winning the league next year. It'll be 10 seasons. It'll be 11 years and 10 seasons at the end of next year or next season without the league title. So it's not as easy as just having the money. Got to have the manager. Got to have Mourinho. Got to have Fergie. Got to have Jurgen. Got to have Pep. 
Otherwise, you can't win. Got to have Carlo Ancelotti. Otherwise, you can't win. All right, the five greatest rivalries in my time in, in world sport as well. All right, at number five, listen, Arsenal as a club weren't good enough to make it an Arsenal-Man United rivalry. I don't think it was ever close. There was Pizzagate. There was Gary Neville being protected. At number five, the two greatest midfielders in, in Premier League history. Uh, Keane versus Vieira is my fifth greatest rivalry of all time. If you weren't there to experience it, it had the world absorbed. Whether you like Man United or Arsenal or not, you knew to watch because these two would be at the front of the tunnel. And there is the famous, now world-famous, Roy Keane incident where Vieira is picking on Gary Neville because Gary Neville was mediocre at best. And they knew that was a weak spot for United. Roy Keane has the big one and says, you, I'll, I'll deal with you out there. Something uh, sort of on that level. Absolutely blockbuster entertainment. Arsenal and um, Man United back in the day. Just unbelievable. From 2001 till about 2006. Just unbelievable viewing. Uh, at number five, uh, Keane versus Vieira. At number four, from 2000 until now, it is 2022 now, 10 Super Bowls in, he's won seven of them, he's the greatest American athlete of all time, it's not close, within that realm. Now there's another athlete who I think is the greatest athlete of all time, so it's important to say the greatest American athlete of all time in this context I mean, seven Super Bowls. It's ridiculous. It's the hardest American sport of all of them. It is a 52-man roster, so it's impossible to to replicate the success. He needed a, a Polish-American genius um, to help him to six of them. At number four, the great Tom Brady versus the world. I mean, you just at this stage, you've got to acknowledge Tom Brady is an alien. Tom Brady is an alien. You need to accept that. At number four, it's him versus the world. You may never see this again. And I love Patrick Mahomes. You won't see seven. It's just too good now. There's too many good young uh, quarterbacks. There's too many smart GMs. Tom Brady has been absolutely sensational and, and probably should have been MVP last year. Um, just unreal, this guy. At number three, um, it's a bit of an elitist sport. So it's an interesting one that it captured the world's imagination for for 15 years, right? Titles aside, it was love hate, and and they such they such different human beings. How they got it done? One the cut off sleeves, the other all white, um, you, you know, cut and paste really for what you want. It almost seemed like a scripted movie the way it's gone. It really did seem that way. I hate to go with the stereotype, but the one is the classic sort of contentious, you know, rambunctious sort of Latin approach, which is a lazy analysis, but whatever, Hollywood has conditioned us. The hot-headed Latin guy versus the stoic boring. I mean, Nike almost had to make him a gold jacket to make him a little more exciting. But at number three, the great Roger Federer against the great Rafa uh, Nadal. At number three, if you, don't, if you don't watch tennis, there's nothing I can do for you. Uh, you lack classes. No, there's nothing I can do for you there. But this rivalry for 15 years had us captured. Absolutely brilliant. At number two, if, you, if you're a part of the world, you acknowledge that test cricket is the most important thing in the Western world. Other than Premier League football. Breaks my heart to say this. For the 90s and the noughties, for 20 years... Three World Cups in a row. They gave us Warren, McGrath, Ponting, Hayden, Langer, Gilchrist, who are all the greatest of all time in their positions. They were unlovable and they were untouchable. The Australian cricket team of the, naughty, of the 90s and noughties are, are simply the greatest rivalry ever. Australia against the world in cricket. Three World Cups in a row. Three. It's insane. It is insane. And cricket is such a laborious sport, right? Like, it is such a taxing sport. To, to have that consistency in test and one-day cricket, by the way. It's not like they were letting off on the on the one. And then to give us Warren, McGrath, Ponting, Hayden, Langer and Gilchrist, all in that era, by the way. And winning is difficult, right? People get upset. People want more credit. Egos grow, especially amongst men. I don't know about women. I'm not going to speak for women, but for men is when they win, they want more money, they want more glory. And these guys managed to keep a lid on it under... Ponting was incredible. 
He was incredible to keep a lid on all those guys from Alan Border to Mark Taylor to Steve Waugh to Ricky Ponting. They just kept churning it out. Absolutely incredible. At number two, Australia. Uh, Australian cricket versus everybody in the 90s and noughties. At number one, he's the greatest athlete of all time. And I personally don't think it's close. I just don't think it's close. There was a there was a thing where everyone thought Phil Mickelson was a rival, but I thought in rivalries it had to be possible for the other one to win. Like Phil's not close. Phil Mickelson isn't even a top five golfers of all time, and and I like Phil. But I think golf kind of tried to create this narrative of this guy versus Phil, ridiculous. And also, I think what's made it even more interesting is it's come out how much of a how sort of unlikable he can be off the field off the course at number one tiger woods versus the world at, at number one the greatest rivalry ever is tiger woods versus the field we're only getting the news now of what tiger is but look at what's coming out now and trust me the golfing world knew what tiger was they knew this is why nobody liked Tiger, and this is why it was so furious against Tiger at his peak. Because the talent's always been clear, but it's always been like, why Why does he fall out with so many people? This is why. And see, I like a bit of edge, but Tiger Woods is not meant to be what golf wants to be, and oh boy. So for me, the greatest rivalry ever is Tiger Woods versus the field versus golf. Nobody wanted Tiger in. He came in brash, athletic, no belly. We know what golfers were. And Tiger took over for 10 years. He dragged the sport into the mainstream all on his own. I mean, it's 2022. The Masters just started. You saw what it was for Tiger's practice round. You saw what That doesn't happen for anyone in any sport. I don't care how much of a hype machine you can put behind it. Tiger is the greatest force of nature. We have ever seen in sport. Number five, Keen Vieira. Number four, Tom Brady versus uh, the world. At number three, Roger Federer against Rafa Nadal. At number two, Australian cricket versus everyone. They all tried. They all failed uh, in the 90s and the noughties. And at number one, Tiger Woods versus golf. Tiger Woods, uh, the, the guy is, he's unplayable. And he's still the biggest draw card probably in sport. All on his own. And Tiger doesn't need to do anything. He doesn't need a hype machine. He is the hype machine. First sportsman to ever get to a billion dollars of income. And there's a reason. In in really a niche sport, golf is super niche and super exclusive. It shouldn't be possible to get the numbers that Tiger did. But he is just a force of nature. Number one, Tiger Woods versus the field and indeed golf. Those are the greatest rivalries for me in the world that I've seen in sport. Tiger Woods, hey, that guy, it's it's interesting that we now know so much about him, especially in the sensitive time that we live in, right, is we now know what he was doing behind the scenes and people don't like that, uh, especially with his wife and the narrative around that whole thing, is now we know what Tiger was and people still love him, like he's still filling the gallery in probably the world's most conservative sport at the Masters, which is probably the most conservative space within the most conservative sport in the world. From what I know, I've never been to St. Andrews, but St. Andrews, right, and Augusta, those places hate controversy and outsiders and and Tiger is everything that that sport does not want to be. I mean, listen, Phil Mickelson is an hot water right now for obviously the Saudi league etc etc for guys wanting to get their money but come on what Phil did is nowhere near what it's coming out Tiger has done and now it's become clear and and the accidents and the the sort of addiction that Tiger had to painkillers that's coming out is it's a lily white sport and Tiger still is in like the fans are insatiable when it comes to Tiger, right? And it's quite off-putting, <laughs> I think, for most people who want a role model. But Tiger, is, is he's undeniable. You can't deny Tiger Woods. And no matter how you feel about him, he is the most 
irrepressible thing I think we've ever seen in entertainment. And it's getting quite ugly now, actually. The more that spills out, the more, weirdly, golf wants to protect Tiger. And that, that, that probably upsets a few people. Because there's a lot of, ah, he needs to be a role model people out there. And the protection from golf isn't stopping. Now, I think golf understands. Once Tiger goes, they've, they've tried to bring in Rory. They've tried to bring in Bryson DeChambeau. None of these guys are, are good enough to be the excitement machine that Tiger is. The, the viewing figures are a hundred times, by a factor of a hundred, is what they were last time Tiger teed off at Augusta. We'll see what they are this year, but Tiger Woods, simply the greatest thing the sport has ever seen in my mind. Simply the greatest thing sport has ever seen in my mind. All right, I want to move on to something that makes me sad. I told you um, I was dying yesterday, or I thought I was anyway. I, I, I wasn't dying. A little bit dramatic. I'm fine. I'm alive now. I'm obviously doing the podcast. But my thoughts were, I can't believe I just saw Mendy and Chelsea chuck it like they did against Real Madrid. And by the way, I'm a Real Madrid fan, but far bigger Chelsea fan. I, I came to realize because I, I was upset and sick at the same time. thought I was dying. And the headlines are Thomas Tuchel, should he get fired? Chelsea obviously in transition. And I don't know if Tuchel should get fired, but what I do know about people is that people don't change. And I'm, I'm learning that more and more. People don't change. Can't change people. People have to want to change for themselves in order for them to change. And even then, people don't change. People will always go back to who they are. They just will. I, like I hate, I know we live in a motivational speaker time and there are very unique situations where people can change their habits, but people don't change. Give them the opportunity to revert, give them comfort, give them security, give them power and they'll revert to what they are. People don't change. And the point here is this. Thomas Tuchel upset PSG and Dortmund. He did. He upset PSG and Dortmund and left. And I like Thomas Tuchel. I want Tuchel to stay. I want Chelsea to have some stability. But Thomas Tuchel is who he is. He's intense. He's unforgiving. And that doesn't work, especially in the new modern era. My point is this, Chelsea need to prep to move on from Thomas Tuchel. Whether you like it or not, at Dortmund it was two years, at PSG it was 18 months. Chelsea have done what they can. But I don't think Chelsea are ready to accept that. And, and, and people don't want to accept that, right? Because Thomas Tuchel has ha handled the sanction period, the post-Roman Abramovich period, about as well as a human being can. He has. He's handled it brilliantly. And it's, it's an emotional time now for Chelsea. And you should be fans. Fan is short for fanatical. You should be fanatical. And it makes sense for Chelsea fans to go keep him. He's our guy. But somebody who I respect a lot told me once, don't make emotional decisions. Make smart decisions. Don't make emotional decisions. Make smart decisions. And that's become more prevalent in my life over the last couple of months. You know, is don't make emotional decisions. Make smart decisions. Now, if you're a parent, if you are in a relationship, you, you will probably understand that better than anybody else. Because in those situations, when you love something, when you love somebody you tend to make emotional decisions and then a while later you're like, oh. You, you know, I speak a lot about my, my parents because I, I like to speak to my own experiences. Like I, I don't want to make life up. I've, I've got such great influences around me. And I was talking to somebody about my father today. Is My father's a very, very sort of stoic guy and chemical engineer. So they, they tend to be a certain way. 
And he's a very, very stoic man. Always has been, comes from like, I mean, from rural South Africa. Um, and I mean, the suffering he did to, to give us the life he had. But he's a very, very practical man. And he's all about making smart decisions and always has been. Very, uh, to be honest, I've never seen my father sort of ruffled. Um, He's just like, okay, well, as most chemical engineers are, because he was in mining and exploration and they deal with big problems. Like, oh no, this mine just collapsed on 16 people and they trapped underground, although he wasn't on that side of things. But, you know, he was in sort of helping with, exploration and bad stuff happens in that world which is not good and he was always just like okay well i i, I certainly never heard any problems and i'm sure they were i know oh i know there was and you know you handle situations in a certain way if you make smart decisions not emotional ones and my, my father was all about that and i was telling somebody about that earlier you know is the presence of that calming figure teaches you certain things Make smart decisions, not emotional decisions. And Chelsea are in a very emotional place right now. So they won't be able to see that Thomas Tuchel lasted two years at Dortmund, 18 months at PSG. If I said to you, if I said to you, put uh, put it this way. If I said to you, the best looking girl in the world, best looking guy in the world, right? And you go, oh, this person's perfect. And I said, okay, cool. But think of it this way right in their last two marriages it lasted two years each and it ended wouldn't you want to know why it ended surely you surely you'd have those questions and i guess it's easier in hindsight because when we're in love with somebody we think we can fix them can't fix people can't change people you cannot change people you cannot And it's a waste of your time to try. You cannot change people. People don't change unless they want to. And it's very rare that people want to change, especially the older they get. But if I said to you, this person got divorced recently, twice, right? Wouldn't you want to look into those reasons? Right? And I've I've given my, my theory on divorce before. I'll forgive one. I'll forgive two. I'm not forgiving a third one. Like third one's on you. Right? First the first divorce it happens people get married too young there was pressure you you weren't ready but perhaps you felt you had to we've been together for five years we have to get married now it's the next natural step is what people feel they feel a pressure right and there's also a fear of well i've been with this person for five years maybe i can't do better this is my limit they've seen all of my shortcomings and they still hung around not a good reason to marry somebody by the way not a good reason to marry somebody, by the way. And Senzo said something brilliant the other day. Um, when you get married to somebody, remember, you're going to have to marry their personality, not their looks. And generally, your first marriage is probably the best looking you're ever going to be in your life. And the other person as well. You're somewhere between 25 and 32. You look unbelievable. You look cracking. That's your physical peak. That's just what it is. Let's accept it, right? All of us, including myself, I'm, I'm about to turn 36. Looks-wise, diminishing returns right now. Now, I've never even been, I've never been an oil painting. So imagine how bad I feel now. So first marriage, I'll forgive you. You're your best looking. Probably you aren't neurologically as mature as you should be. Let's get married. Second marriage, you know, she had kids, you had kids. You had some baggage from the previous divorce. Third divorce, that's on you. That's where Thomas Tuchel is right now. The Chelsea cycle is at an end. And Chelsea are going to make an emotional decision to keep Thomas Tuchel. When you know he divorced Dortmund after two years, he left PSG. And both were ugly, by the way. If I said to you, your, your, previous, your current partner that you're thinking about getting with exited two marriages in an ugly way. And listen... We all know different people where their ex-partners might have something good to say about them. You can divorce somebody and still think they're a good person. It just didn't work. Or there's other people of, oh, 
like if I saw them, if I never saw this person again, it would be too soon. Like there, there's those people, if that happened and that's the way it went with Tuchel, I don't know why Chelsea think they can change Thomas Tuchel. And I like Tuchel. I love Thomas Tuchel for what he's done. But I also know abrasive people because I'm abrasive. I know what I can be like and I wear people down and abrasive people wear people down and nobody wants to be around abrasive people for too long. It's, it's just what it is. So there are very few people that can handle abrasive people and that's why you call them a CEO, a CFO. That's why you pay those people because they can handle right investment bankers. That's why they get the 20, 30 million dollars a year. It's not because of the smarts. There's lots of smart people, but there's also very few smart people like being told that they're idiots. And abrasive people can be that way. Thomas Tuchel is a grinder. He will, he's grinds people down. Dortmund, PSG, and here we are at Chelsea, and it seems like it's over. Thomas Tuchel isn't changing. Modern players are softer than ever. He's abrasive, unrelenting, unforgiving. And modern players are getting softer than ever. I'm a, listen, folks, I, I'm not going to apologize for it, right? I can try and grow, and, and as I mature, maybe I'll become easier to be around. I'm an abrasive person. So I completely understand why Thomas Tuchel would upset people or, or make them want to search uh, for work elsewhere. I, I, I totally get it because I'm abrasive. I'm abrasive, and the older I get, the more I realize that it's not easy. It's not easy to be around abrasive people. And I'm not changing. I don't want to change. Thomas Tuchel's not going to change. Chelsea need to accept that. P the, the peace you need to find within yourself, and Chelsea need to find this, is Tuchel's not changing. Players are becoming more entitled. It is over. Now, the Real Madrid tie... Chelsea could have scored a couple of goals and Tuchel's biggest disaster has been this right and I have a lot of people who work in and around me who say you take too much responsibility and recently I've let that go a little bit and it's ugh, it's coming back to bite me it's like I need to go back to who I am because what I always say is with my personality type I don't like to fail because of other people's shortcomings. I'd much rather fail because of my own shortcomings. And Thomas Tuchel strikes me as that kind of person. And I don't know if that's going to work. But the Romelu Lukaku situation was out of Thomas Tuchel's hands. And now he's about to lose his job because of Romelu Lukaku. Because Roman Abramovich wanted Romelu Lukaku. Listen, there is no more polar opposite to Tuchel's style than Romelu Lukaku. Sensitive, old school sort of stand there, number nine. Tuchel doesn't like that. You can see it. It's clunky. It doesn't work. Oil and water. You can see it. The personality types are so different. Listen, I keep hearing from these... I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not a chakra person. But, you know, these... <laughs> listen these chakra softy softy people who will feed you what i think is absolute boulder dash of you know opposites attract nonsense opposites attract similarities stay together our similarities keep us together our opposites attract like this idea that an accountant and a yoga teacher are going to be together your philosophy and morals and worldviews keep you together. The fluffy stuff is nice up front. The similarities keep you together. Thomas Tuchel and Romelu Lukaku was a disaster from the beginning. Never going to work. And then Lukaku is also a crybaby. That has now Tuchel. But it doesn't change that his cycle's over. The Chilwell and James injuries don't help. Listen, Chelsea have, have been injury ravaged by their two most crucial positions, actually. Right back and left back. But that's not what's going to end this. Thomas Tuchel's at the end of his cycle and let it go. I don't know why people can't let things go. The older you get, you've got to let people go. Dortmund two years, PSG 18 months, 
and Chelsea have had a tremendous 18 months. At the end of the season, let it go. Tuchel will be out by December anyway. It's not his fault. He is who he is. He is who he is. We all are who we are. So uh, for those who thought yesterday I didn't do a podcast because I didn't want to talk about Chelsea, it was awful to see it. It was a legendary performance by Karim Benzema, who I've never actually rated, and I still don't. But here he is. Banging goals, doing the business, and finally delivering on the promise that he showed at Lyon, what, 15 years ago now. So without Ronaldo and without Prime Bale, here is Karim Benzema delivering. I'd love to know what people think about the Chelsea-Tuchel situation. Do you ride it out? I mean, could anybody have done a better job? I think he's done a magnificent job. But I go back to, to an adage which somebody who I respect a lot has said to me. Make smart decisions, not emotional decisions. Just because Tuchel has looked after Chelsea in a, in a particularly sensitive time, it does not mean Chelsea should keep him. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a touchy-feely person. And business is hard. Chelsea is a business. Football is a business. And Chelsea need to make a decision because if you stay with Tuchel, you're going to have to invest heavily because Liverpool and Man City are, are now starting to really, really uh, get out of sight. I, th- I think Liverpool and Man City are starting to get out of sight for Chelsea over the next four or five year cycle. And that is a scary thought. So if they keep Tuchel now, you've, what you've got to do is give it another two, three-year cycle. And I don't know, with these young players, they are also sensitive and all over social media. I don't know if winning matters as much as being cool guys now. And, and just, it's a different generation. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But people are just... And, and maybe it's a good thing, by the way. Because in my era, when I played football and even in school... Nobody really cared about how sensitive you are. Is where where's the results? Whereas now there's a little bit more. I guess it's a different time, and and the world evolves, and you have to accept the world as it is. Perhaps people like Thomas Tuchel are outdated. We have to accept that. We have to accept that we live in a new time. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen-year-olds now want you to care about them as people and not just robots that are going to win. Roy Keane, I just want to win. And we now know the mental health stuff he was going through. Um, so maybe maybe people like me need to evolve. But I, I want results. I, like It's why I always tell people. So people always ask me, why are you single? All right, what type of person are you looking for? I'm, I've done the like models and good-looking girls and whatever. Is I just want a grown-up. But those are very, very rare. And if you're a grown-up, generally you're either taken or you're single by choice. The, 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 like, very few grown-ups are out on the market ready to be snapped up, right? And maybe I'm, I need to grow up. People like Thomas Tuchel, maybe we're outdated. Maybe we are outdated. The, the new young generation, it's a, it's a different time now. Young people want to express themselves and be seen for who they are rather than be just a part of a winning system. And they're not wrong for that. Young people want to change the world. They, they believe they can change the world. And, and maybe Thomas Tuchel hasn't evolved to that. And it'll be an interesting thing to see how it plays out. Love to know what people think. Should Chelsea keep Thomas Tuchel? Hit me up. I'm at MKT Inspires on social media. Otherwise, it is uh, the MKT show. Listen, Thomas Tuchel is not the only person right now. I'm pretty sure there are, there are people who have, to, who have to lead teams of a new generation. Uh, Gen Z. Uh, as it comes out now, you know, millennials, they have to be led differently. They want new things. They want to be developed. They demand satisfaction on a deeper level than just money. Make me grow. Teach me stuff. 20 years ago, you speak to somebody in a sales team about what team development or individual development. The managers could just go, get the hell out of here. Go find a different job. It's a new time. It's a new time and uh, the reality of the world is the greatest ability in the world, right, for survival. It's not speed, it's not strength, it's adaptability and you have to adapt to the new world or you will die. 
That is the natural evolution of the world. And perhaps me and Thomas Tuchel, outdated, who knows? Who knows? Maybe I'm a dinosaur. Am I a dinosaur? Maybe I, maybe I need to go sit in the corner and think about that. Um, I am in my home at the moment, um, sitting in my bedroom recording this podcast. There are quite a few corners where I could go and sit and think about whether I'm a dinosaur. Maybe I'm outdated. Maybe it's time to to move on from people like me. Who knows? Your thoughts, Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea, a very, very interesting situation because I'm emotionally attached to the to the Chelsea situation, but I had to go and look at the numbers. And as I've done in my own life, and I'm trying to do more and more, the best way to predict the future outcomes is to look at the past. And I know that's hard because everybody thinks they're entitled to a fourth, fifth chance. Unfortunately, if we look at who you've been, we can predict who you're going to be. If we look at who you've been under stress, we can predict who you'll be under stress because people are who they are. Thomas Tuchel is who he is. And Chelsea perhaps need to accept we've got the most out of him. Let's see if we can get the FA Cup and then get out of there. Because after this, we know the bell curve. It's something called diminishing returns. You, you reach somewhere where no matter what you are putting into something, you are now uh, on the downward side of the bell curve. I don't have time to explain uh, that. Also, I don't really understand it well enough. It's more of an economics theory. But I also don't have the time. It's a, it's a football podcast or a sports podcast. You know what I mean? Also, I'm not smart enough also something i've got to um and uh, i gotta understand that you know you, you know what's quite humbling for me is every now and then i'll speak to my sister so she's an actuarial scientist and stats grad and so i've always tried to tell people this <clears throat> and i by the way this is not a, a boohoo feel sorry for me although i was dying yesterday but it is quite humbling um i wasn't thinking of it because of my death i was speaking to my sister a bit earlier on whatsapp is it does feel quite humbling to be the fourth smartest person in my family. It's very humbling. So I've always said my dad's the smartest. So he's 100% maths guy, 100% science. That hasn't changed. My sister is 100% maths person, 100% stats and blah, blah, blah. My mom's a doctor. Not that hard, really. I mean, you know, I, like doctors need to calm down. You know, that they like they think they're the smartest people in the world. They're not. They're not. I mean, listen, we do need doctors, though. I say that a bit of tongue in cheek. Like, they, I think you've got to be a straight A student to get into um, medical stuff. My mom, mathematics, 80%, not great. Now, I say that comes to me, 60% mathematics, <laughs> barely good enough. But hey, do you have a chemistry degree? I think my parents haven't done too badly. The dumbest. The dumbest mug in your family. Chemistry degree. Not bad. Not bad. Shout out to my parents. But I am the fourth smartest in my family. Very, very humbling. I don't like it because my ego is big. But it's the reality. You know what I mean? Got to grow up sometime. So Thomas Tuchel. Oh, it's ugly, but he's got to go, I think. It is a bit of a dilemma, isn't it? Or a dilemma, as we say here in South Africa. Um, anyway, love to know what you think at MKT inspires, otherwise at the MKT show on all social media platforms. Let's finish off on this, uh, this weekend it's being billed as the game of the century, which I think is a little bit strong. Some people say game of the decade, which is all, I also think it's a little bit strong, like relax, but it's Liverpool city this weekend. Love to know what people think about this. Here are my thoughts. I'll give you quick thoughts. Um, I think city needed more. I do. I think Pep is under enormous pressure to to turn this into a proper dynasty. He, he's got to win five or six titles. Um, otherwise, do Man City sack Pep Guardiola? That would be an interesting question to ask because if he doesn't win the league and the Champions League's a lottery, as we can see, and for whatever reason, the Man City don't feel connected to the Champions League. I think that affects them with the lack of fans. Is Pep, for the first time, under enormous, 
enormous pressure at the end of the season because I would think Man City, as much as people go, Sheikh Mansour has all the money in the world. A friend of mine, Shimi, has a great saying, right? He always tells me, or, or I always, whenever, whenever I think of why are rich people like this, I always think to Shimi saying, in my country, our, our, um, the, the money, our economy is based around the South African rand, right? So our currency is the rand. And Shimi always says, 10 rand is still 10 rand. Sheikh Mansur gave him 100 million pounds to spend on Jack Grealish. Sheikh Mansur doesn't want to hear that Jack Grealish didn't work out and it was a personality thing. Pep Guardiola is being paid 10 million pounds a year. Sheikh Mansur does not want to hear it. And the one thing about billionaires, I don't care how much you think they're your friend. They are not. Sheikh Mansur says 10 rand is still 10 rand, Paul. 100 million pounds to Sheikh Mansur is nothing. But it's still his money. It's still his family's money. And Pep Guardiola, I think that pressure is going to be through the roof if they lose this game. And one thing I know about winners, and Pep is that, City is that, when winners have to win, they win. Like, I can't explain it any better. It sounds like a bit of a dumb guy argument. But, but I've just been around real winners in sport and in life. When they have to win, they win. Can't really explain it. I don't know if there's like a, a scientific theory for it, but when winners have to win, they win. Maybe psychologists can explain it better to me. I've never really asked anybody, but when winners win, when they have to win, they win. And I just think City needed too much. I also think this. In the end, right, football is a talent business. City are better. They just are. Okay, please don't let Liverpool fans get in your head. You've won one title in 30 years. Do me a favor. It's also one title in five years, by the way. One title in six with Jurgen. Like, do me a favor. Man City are better, and they've added, and they continue to get better. The only place where I might say uh, Liverpool are better is up front. Like, like uh, this thing that Virgil van Dijk is comparable to, like, John Terry and these, these greats. Why? Virgil van Dijk's had 18 months of being at the top of the game. Other than that, sorry, he was at Southampton. He won the league and the Champions League. That's it. John Terry was at the top for 10 years. Ricardo Carvalho was at the top for five years. Nemanja Vidic was at the top for 10 years. Uh, uh, please, do me a favor. I think City win this 3-1 just because they have to win. Like, I think Liverpool don't have to win because nobody thinks... I know in Liverpool's minds, they are the biggest club in England. Nobody thinks that. Everybody now thinks Chelsea, Man United, Man City. Like, Liverpool have won title in 30 years. Nobody in modern-day football thinks Liverpool is a juggernaut. Nobody but Liverpool fans. And, and I think Jamie Carragher being on Sky Sports has tilted this. Nobody takes Liverpool seriously in modern-day football. Let's be very clear about that. What is the old adage? One swallow doesn't make a summer. Do me a favor. These Liverpool fans are becoming unbearable. It's, you know what they like? It's like the, the nerdy guy who never, ever got girls, and then he hits the jackpot in his 30s. And it's kind of awkward because everyone can see you're not cool, dude. And, and by the way, I've, uh, I've got lots of nerdy friends, so I've got no problem with nerds. It's just when they try and act cool, just be yourself. Like Liverpool, you, you were good 30 years ago. You're okay now. Nobody expects it to last. Nobody expects it to last. It, it was an anomaly that Liverpool won the title, not the norm. Please, please, do me a favor. Man City are the incumbent uh, dynasty, and I, I expect them to win 3-1. And then the title's over. Thank God. Thank God, I, I, I can't take it from Liverpool fans anymore. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Anyway, I'm going to go back to some resting because I want to see if I can feel human next week and maybe get back to some work. And I will keep everybody posted where I can regarding the return of the visual show. I am actually working on it. I think sometimes, maybe I should stop talking about it and just say, 
it'll happen when it happens. But no, I, I do need to put some pressure on myself. Um, I would like to have something visual and consistent over the next, let's say two months, right? I, I, I'd love to do some cool stuff for people. Uh, we'll see how it goes though, but I do want to take it to the next level. I'd uh, love to know what you think, but the podcast will be consistent. I am back. I'm not dying. Yesterday was an anomaly and that's it. No more excuses. All right. I've set the table now. No more excuses. The podcast five days a week. It's got to happen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, enjoy the schoolboy rugby this weekend, by the way. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to go tomorrow because maybe if I go out there and then I catch whatever people are spreading out there, I'm going to be back to where I was. I've got to try and catch up a whole week in my world. That's a nightmare because I'm a terrible admin person, by the way. I generally like to have people for admin, but I've got to try and do that over the weekend. So I think I'm just going to stay in tomorrow. Supersport Schools app makes it nice and easy to stream all the schoolboy rugby. So I'll probably do some of that. Um, and if you are going to the Saints Rugby Festival, I'll see you there. I will be at the Saints Rugby Festival. I'll probably go to St. John's because Hilton are there. I'll probably go to St. John's for the Saturday, though, unless I'm working at Saints. I might be working there. Who knows? Maybe not. And if I'm not working at Saints, then I might not even go to Saints. I might just go to St. John's and actually support my school. So we'll see. But for this weekend, I think I'm going to stay in. If you're going to go and enjoy schoolboy rugby out there, be safe. Uh, cheer the boys on, whatever school you're from. Uh, even if it is a ramshackle of institution like St. David's, they're playing cares this weekend. Oh, that could be a cricket score. St. David's not very good at rugby this year. I've watched two of their games. Um, and they, I mean, some of the, some of the war crafts. St. David's are just dropping hip hop songs. Uh, for, people are saying St. David's are for the streets right now. If you know, you know. Uh, but to everybody out there who's got uh, kids who are, are back playing sport, competing, it's excellent. It's excellent. Um, and by the way, I'm not a very cultural person. I'm sure your child who does chess or music or whatever it may be competes in their world. I don't think, I, I don't think I'm reducing it by saying I know nothing about it. But I do think sport is important. I know lots of hoity-toity, yuppie people don't they think it's for meatheads whatever sport is the most important thing in the world to me and this is a sports show and i am mkt and this has been the mkt show uh, for now i am the hell out of here